Boardwalk Times Multiverse of Marvel is a podcast where we discuss the latest Marvel episodes and TV series as they're released on Disney+. This is your spoiler alert. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of Boardwalk Times Multiverse of Marvel. I'm Elizabeth Pfeiffer, the senior editor of Boardwalk Times. I'm Giovanni Delgadillo, columnist at the Boardwalk Times. Uh, I'm Troy Hill. I am nothing that special in particular whatsoever but I'm on this podcast. This he is week. our special guest today. That's that what is what's special. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us, Troy, on this episode, Giovanni. Today, we will be breaking down WandaVision's fourth episode, We Interrupt This Program, as part of our wonderful World of WandaVision series. So if you haven't watched WandaVision episode four yet, stop listening now because there will be spoilers ahead. This is your second warning. So just stop or keep listening if you've watched. So in this episode, we take a break from watching the sitcom and move into the, quote, real world as we watch S.W.O.R.D. and Monica Rambeau during the lead-ups that lead to the town of Westview being labeled as an abnormality. Guys, this episode, we are out of sitcoms. We're into the real world, like I literally just said. What were your initial reactions to the episodes? Episode. I mean... Initial reaction, the best parts were the beginning and the ending of the episode, and I'm so glad S.W.O.R.D. is back, as in S.H.I.E.L.D. is back. Presence that was sorely missed after they disappeared with good reason. That's my initial thoughts. I think my initial thoughts were that I was just, I was really surprised that they were sort of doing the whole, uh, sort of, obviously they don't reveal everything that's happening, but they did the, the zoom out this is what's going on episode really early. I thought, I thought they were going to wait until like episode like maybe like five or six to do that. So that was interesting that they're showing more of their cards this early. Yeah. I definitely feel that we're, we're at like an awkward, almost midpoint in the season. So I get that they did that, but at the same time, I feel like Marvel fans are way ahead of what's going on in S.W.O.R.D. right now. I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but Jimmy Wu, the FBI agent, former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, and also Scott Lang's parole officer, was writing all these things on the whiteboard, like, why hexagonal shapes? Why sitcoms? Same time and space? Is Vision alive? Us Marvel fans have been asking that for weeks now. Yeah, and they even uh, throw in little meta, like almost fourth wall breaking stuff with uh, Kat Dennings' character, Darcy, when she says wait, this is the first time they've ever mentioned anything from our reality when they were talking about Ultron in the episode. And then there's also, um, it feels like this character was like the Avengers Endgame of side characters with Jimmy Woo, Darcy, and um, there was someone else along. Who was it? <laughs> there was another person. That, Monica, 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 oh, Monica, Monica. Yeah, yeah, this was definitely the Avengers Endgame of side characters with uh, Monica, Jimmy, and Darcy. It was the cap-lifting Mjolnir moment for Jimmy was when he did the magic trick when he's introducing himself. That was that was such an amazing payoff to Ant-Man and the Wasp. Such a tiny one, too. And then, obviously, Darcy coming back after not being in Thor 3. Very true. It was very refreshing to see her. And I saw some people debating online whether or not her comic relief was good for TV or good for the seriousness of this show. I'm curious about what you guys think of that. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that they brought her back too. I definitely like her a lot more than in the two, the two Thor movies. She's pretty useless in those movies. Like they've, it's nice that she's doing something for once and not just like running around doing nothing. I guess 
Yeah, um, I agree. I mean, she's the one who discovered that everything is in a sitcom. So that's kind of crazy. Yeah. And I don't know. Her comic relief is a little bit better. Like, what did she say? She's like, she does, does dishes once every 30 minutes, barf or something like that. I was like, she knows where it's at. Yes, that was very good. Another cool reference that I saw um, was a quote that Monica said when she was at the S.W.O.R.D. headquarters. She says, like, space is full of unexpected threats and allies. And I thought that was a cool reference to Carol Danvers, a.k.a. Captain Marvel, because she's known her since she was a child. Okay, so that I, I'm, I'm going to admit, I'm not the craziest Marvel fan, so I kind of just made this connection. Is, the, is Rambo's mom the black lady from Captain Marvel? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. And her call sign uh, is Photon, which is you know, Monica Rambo's hero name in the comic books. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that really till yesterday. So <laughs> just learned that. Okay. That's interesting. Also, yeah. how cool of a name is Rambo? Like that's your name. Rambo. Right? That's just very cool. Definitely. Um, so let's backtrack a little bit. Start at the beginning of the episode. Monica was in the blip and it started out very seriously. I was a little surprised that she woke up in a hospital and everything was chaotic because the only other footage we've seen of people reappearing from the blip was from Spider-Man's point of view. And it was very comedic. This was a very serious thing happening and she got some really sad news. That actually caught me off guard uh, right at the beginning. Cause I almost thought at first they were showing us like, cause I don't really know her powers or anything like that she had powers and it was really weird but then once you realize what's going on i i freaked out like i was yelling and i was like oh my god they're actually showing us this from a dramatic point of view like i can't believe it and then obviously we learned that um, her mom passed away which is like a big deal for her and um as we catch up with her um i was actually pretty surprised that they made her mom the founder of sword she's very cool kind of reminded me of how Agent Carter, Sharon Carter, uh, was one of the founders of S.H.I.E.L.D. I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, I thought it. I thought the opening shot was cool, where you're seeing her basically just rematerialize. And yeah, that, the idea of being able to see everyone coming back is kind of cool. But I was kind of confused. I'm like, her, she, she thinks her mom is fine. And then she gets up and walks out, and she's, she's literally seeing people appear out of thin air everywhere around her. But that doesn't like catch her off guard. She doesn't care about that. She's like, where's my mom? Where's my mom? She's fine to you. I didn't really get that. I thought that scene was a little bit kind of eh for me, I guess. I see your point. I disagree because it, it sets us up in the timeline exactly where we are. She goes back to S.W.O.R.D. headquarters three weeks after the blip. And I mean, we see some emotion of people who had been affected by the blip, which was literally everybody in Spider-Man Far From Home. Like people were displaced out of their homes and that's what Aunt May was doing all this charity stuff for. Um, but seeing a more personal story is kind of crazy. But I also like get you in the same way that like, okay, cool, her mom passed away and that's really sad. I'm hoping that that motivation will take her somewhere differently. And I mean, it did because she's listening to her her dead mother's instructions of staying on the ground. She can't do any extraterrestrial missions, but yeah, but I want to move on. So she gets to sword headquarters and she starts talking to Tyler Hayward, who's acting director for sword. 
do you guys think that Nick Fury would be involved with S.W.O.R.D. in any way? I mean, at this point, has he even met up with Spider-Man for Far From Home yet? Trying to line up the timelines. I was thinking the same thing. Um, this entire episode uh, with him, with Hayward, I was like, uh, where's Nick Fury? Like, who's this guy? And why haven't we heard of him before? And is he, I don't know. At first, I almost thought he was kind of weird. Like, these typical these kind of characters are usually twist villains, but I don't think he is at all. That was just like off-putting because of how different it was to, you know, having Nick Fury around and having more of like a tougher central figure, I guess. So yeah, the last time we saw Nick Fury doing anything, he was in outer space um, at the end of far from home. So clearly he's off doing that with a Talos, you know, a, What's his name? Ben Mendelsohn's character. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I also, some of the, I think it was either the dialogue or the performances in this episode weren't the greatest, and he was kind of a part of the problem. Uh, I looked him up, and he's a Law and Order guy, and I was like, wow, not surprised. He even had the the scene where he walks in, and he's like, everyone told me what's going on, and that was the immediate vibe I got. Um, so. Yeah, not not really surprised. Uh, but yeah, um, I don't know. I hope you see more Fury. Um, I'm going to guess they're doing more of that with Secret Invasion, which is the whole point of that series. But yeah, this guy's kind of like, all right, some random director dude is not very interesting. Yeah, that whole scene felt very like exposition dumpy. They're just walking and talking. That kind of annoyed me a little bit, but at least I felt like... For an exposition scene, they kept it pretty streamlined. They were like, she's going to get through this really fast. Hopefully you get the point that she has all these connections. Her mom was yada yada. And yeah, does, does that guy, is he in the comics or anything? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I, that was just some random dude. And yeah, I agree. I think they handled it pretty well because the episode is paced very quickly. They're, they're trying to catch everyone up to speed. Um, so that was pretty neat that. You know, because I, I got the same vibe. I was like, oh, here we go. They're talking about things that are kind of unnecessary, but I guess rush the plot. But then it gets going like immediately after that. And we get to the Jimmy Woo stuff, which is pretty funny. And you start seeing questions being answered and then, you know, more and more gets answered. But yeah, yeah, I don't think this director is from the comic books, at least not to my knowledge. Yeah, same. For a show that has very short episodes, like today was what, 35 minutes, but so many, so much of that was the credits. It seemed like a very much of a waste of time, but I'm really hoping that that information will become very relevant to something in the future. Just seeing it from our perspective now kind of sucks. But yes, the Jimmy Woo stuff, so good. Let's talk about that. When Monica meets Jimmy, she is thinking that this is a missing persons case. And then he says that it's a witness protection program. And Wu said he, like he was looking for a he. Who is that? I could not come up with an explanation. What do you guys think? So um, if this guy's under witness protection, some people were saying it would be Agnes's husband. And I was like, huh. Interesting, because we're going to talk about this a lot, but the board that people were discussing yesterday about missing persons, Agatha and Dottie are on there, and they're the only two without identification out of everyone that they've put up there. 
So which one is Agnes? She's a uh, you know the, the old yeah the old timey the old lady friendly uh, yeah Catherine Hahn Hahn yeah yeah oh okay yeah yeah okay so yeah she's a uh, hmm very interesting don't have IDs for either of those two characters so what was I gonna say um, <laughs> Agnes's husband might be our missing person. Yes, exactly. You you read my mind. <laughs> That's really interesting because we haven't seen him yet in the 50s and 60s sitcom episodes. She would always make jokes about her husband and, oh, my husband, blah, blah, blah. But we haven't seen him. And I feel like we've pointed that out in past episodes. So it's interesting that this mysterious he who, after Wu said it was a he, never even thought about it again because that's when Monica just got like sucked into Westview. Yeah, that kind of, I feel like that kind of plays into the, a little bit when, like a couple minutes ago, and we were talking about how they kind of rushed through the episode is kind of like, oh, there's a missing person. Oh, that doesn't matter anymore. Who cares about that? We're back to the mystery thing. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Is there, did did they say why each of the episodes are only 30 minutes long? Because with Mandalorian, they would get up to like an hour long sometimes, right? Yeah, Mandalorian was very much like, oh, 30-minute episode here, 50-minute episode here. I don't know why they're making these very short. Maybe they're trying to stick to that sitcom time zone or timeline, but this episode wasn't a sitcom, so I don't know why they constrained it to the 35 minutes because I feel like they could have expanded so much more, but maybe they're not ready to expand. Yeah, I don't know. This feels like a good episode to have done that. And maybe even just like, yeah, I don't know, like we were saying with the pacing slow... The blip is like a cosmic event that has affected literally every living being in existence. And, and everyone three weeks later back at S.W.O.R.D. is like, well, I guess it's just another day at work, I guess. I don't know. But yeah. Something tells me um, this is just what I've noticed between this show and The Mandalorian is that even though they're trying to aim for that like super high budget stuff, they still cut corners in very TV-esque ways. Um, it was especially noticeable in this episode. I feel like a lot of the set design budget went specifically to the sitcom stuff because you can tell that there are so many close-ups in this episode compared to the last three, which makes sense, right? Because they're using similar camera techniques to each sitcom era that they're in. But in this one, there's a lot of close-ups and the editing is pretty fast because they want to get through things very quickly the actual expensive stuff feels like it's coming at the end of the season and the episodes may get longer but because this season is nine episodes long i did the math yesterday if they continue at this pace like on average like 25 or so minutes the show will end up being about four and a half hours long maybe slightly less maybe slightly more which is kind of justifiable for a mini series um which I found pretty interesting is what they were saying for the other series as well. And that seems to be the norm for these Disney plus series. So they're going to focus on having very impressive visual effects during those probably longer episodes, which are the ones that are even more cinematic than ones like this one. That makes sense. I guess that's reassuring that they're on a correct ish timeline for it to be what a mini series is supposed to be. But it also is disappointing because Disney Plus is their own platform, so they can do whatever they want. And if you can do whatever you want, why wouldn't you make more? But I get budgets 
And what you're saying, Gio, about the sets and trying to make everything historically accurate, it makes sense. It's interesting. I didn't really notice anything with the sets or with the close-ups or anything. I'll have yeah, to yeah, I'll like skip around the episode and kind of look for that. It's because um the now that I'm actually thinking about it and rationalizing it, they have to do a lot of the VFX stuff like obviously ahead of time, but since it's TV and not a movie, they have to focus I think episode by episode. So they work at them as they or like right before they release, um up to release. So that was something I noticed with um with Mando, they like to cut scenes short. Like the editing is very rapid in that series, especially during action sequences. And little tricks like that are like, okay, we can have high budget stuff, but like we can also save money, you know, where we can on VFX and whatever. Cause that show had some really, really expensive VFX, but then you have wonky stuff like spoiler alert for Mandalorian season two, Luke Skywalker at the end of it. So yeah, it it's definitely it's not like a hundred percent noticeable, but it is like, okay, so this is how they're tiptoeing around the whole we're putting cinematic quality stuff on, you know, on a streaming service while also, you know, keeping it in some sort of tight budget. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm sure it costs a lot of money to do you know, it already costs thousands of dollars to do CGI for a two hour movie. So if you're extending that to like a six-hour miniseries, I'm sure it just builds up really fast. But yeah. still. Yeah, you're the richest company in the world, Disney. Come on. Anyway, let's switch gears a little bit. What do you guys think about Monica and Jimmy being able to feel the town of Westview compared to those Eastview officers? Do they have some kind of sensitivity that regular people don't? Some people were saying that it's probably because these two characters have seen all this weird crap, so they're already desensitized to it, which is why they were very like, eh, about looking into it. Like They were like, all right, let's just look into this because it sounds pretty sketchy. Um, that's why she flew a drone in instead of like straight up walking in there. So it's definitely something that I guess comes from their occupation where they're like, eh, so we've done this before. I've, you know, I house it a crazy ant guy and you've probably been to space and you, you're friends with uh, Brie Larson. So <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And then speaking of people who are masters in their profession, Darcy Lewis, as she's the one that discovered it was a sitcom and has discovered this kind of radiation around the entirety of Westview. And she told Jimmy Woo and everybody at sword that the radiation is safe for now. What do you guys think that that means? Chernobyl too, probably. <laughs> yeah, Chernobyl 2 miniseries Disney Plus confirmed. <laughs> but no, I'm as soon as they started mentioning radiation and all this stuff, I'm like, is this gonna be the end of the season explanation for how Monica Rambo gets her powers? Because obviously she doesn't have them and there needs to be some reason as to why she gets them. So I'm like, because they're talking about this radiation, which I didn't know this, but it stems from they mentioned the Big Bang. They're specifically referencing the Infinity Stones. Because, you know, Wanda got Mind Stone is how she got her powers. So I wouldn't be surprised if they explain like some radiation event near the end because she mentions it is how Monica gets her powers. But that could just be nothing and she gets them another way. I just think that makes the most sense so far. Well, uh, an interesting little, I guess, like science fun fact or whatever is that, uh, you know how you have like static or snow 
on a, on an old TV like that, which is like, Shh. yeah, that is, uh, that's actually leftover energy from the big bang theory. That's what causes that what? In, in real life. That's like a real thing. So that type of radiation they were talking about, I think that's what that is. I think that's like a real thing. Um, Did you call it like CMBR radiation? Yeah. Is that the right acronym? So I think so. Real? so. I want to say that's a real thing. I don't know for sure because I'm not an <laughs> astrophysicist, but I just remember that that is like a real thing. So maybe they were just referencing something real. That makes actually <clears throat> way more sense. And it, you know, goes with the whole TV thing. It's really yeah. cool. That's yeah, that's what I was thinking. So. That is so cool. I also wanted to point out a quote that Jimmy Woo says that I think is everybody watching this show right now. The universe created a sitcom starring two Avengers. So I, I think that science fact kind of helps put that into a little bit of a perspective, even though it's still a weird concept. So speaking of like this TV stuff, um, there were a few things that are noticeable about her pocket reality or whatever Wanda's doing. Every time an item enters, it looks like turning off an old school TV. It looks like that's what's happening, the special effect they used. And then everything that I predicted in the earlier episodes of this podcast, I was 100% right about. So the, the helicopter was a drone. The beekeeper was a dude wearing a hazmat suit. And the reality kind of morphs them to match what's going on. But what was I going to say? Yeah, that's a thing. So everything that is sent into this reality transforms into it somehow like the guys um the rope that they were going to use to pull him back turns into a jump rope old school one and then then there's the other question of who's censoring the broadcast they mentioned that and at first i thought wanda was the one doing that but in the episode we noticed multiple scenes where it'll just cut away entirely as if nothing happened so they can't see any of the reality, like the scene where Jimmy Woo's trying to contact her through the radio. And we know from the previous episodes that he does get in contact with her. And then Dottie, you know, she breaks her glass. So clearly there's something else going on. Um, who knows if it's actually Wanda doing it, but I don't know. Yes, this blew my mind. Troy, you were going to say something, though. You go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say what... Okay, so the, the weird guy who did the experiments on her and Quicksilver, he had Loki's scepter, right? Yes. What stone was in what stone was in that scepter? Was that the reality stone or is that a different one? It was the mind stone, right? Mind stone. Yeah, yeah, it was the mind stone. Okay. So I'm just thinking like it would make sense if he was like if he had experienced experimented on her with the reality stone and that would explain her powers that can morph reality. But and no, that doesn't my my train of thought did not make sense, though, because it was the Mind Stone. No, that's okay. Something I see online that fans are theorizing about. I mean, Monica says herself, Wanda's behind this. But in the comics, Wanda makes a deal with Mephisto, um, basically like Marvel's devil, for children. So people are saying, did Wanda already make a deal with Mephisto and, and we just haven't seen him yet? Because... She has two beautiful boys who are going to be superheroes. At least they are in the comics. I think that's kind of exactly what's happening. Uh, Zach mentioned it on last week's podcast. Um, I, I wanted to be there so bad to talk about that. But yeah, um, it does feel like she's made some sort of deal with the devil, which is why it's kind of like, you know, monkey's paw-ish. Like, obviously, in her mind, everything that she's doing is right. And um, she can do no wrong. And this is her world. And I don't want to leave, which 
that for me was one of the standouts after the blip scene where we get to see how people come back was the end of the episode where we see Wanda like going crazy, I guess, because uh, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany and uh, and Catherine Hahn are like my three favorite actors on this show, because every time they're on screen, they're giving it their all. And she was she was going crazy. I was like, OK, this is the kind of stuff we're getting. Like Wanda is actually losing her mind. Um, and I guess that brings us to I've, I've been saving it, but we got to talk about zombie vision. That was awesome. It was so scary. I was watching this, you know, really early in the morning and, and I was not expecting that at all. And I was pretty freaked out by that. I was like, ew, why did <laughs> so is she like parading around a dead body or like what what is that? I laughed to be honest. I, I thought it was pretty funny. And then I mean, the, the idea that she's just animating Vision's poor corpse just all over the place also made me laugh. I'm kind of sick like that. Yeah, it was definitely unnerving because we know from the research that S.W.O.R.D. is doing, all of the people in there are real. So that has to mean that Vision is somewhat real or his body is there. Yeah, this. The, my first thought immediately afterwards is like, is this the kind of stuff that they want to do with Doctor Strange too? Because they talked about it being a horror movie, but not being like, you know, rated R or anything. That kind of sounds about right. I mean, Sam Raimi isn't like, like his scary stuff is more, um, I want to say kind of intense more than it is actually scary, like horror stuff. But it's just, but if these kind of visuals are what they want to do, I wouldn't be surprised um, if this is like not a teaser necessarily, but kind of like a, a look ahead. Oh, look, we can do scary stuff too. Here's Vision with a hole in his head talking as if he's nothing's wrong. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Disney will actually go that dark. Uh, I think they're a little bit too, I don't know, kid friendly or whatever. Yeah. So I think she was probably just having PTSD or something. And it's like, ah, ah. I think that's the correct train of thought. Yeah. yeah. Uh, some people that suggested last week that maybe all the people in the town were dead. I, I don't think that it makes any sense anymore considering they mentioned these are all missing people it's like yeah that would have been pretty twisted um for disney so obviously they're not gonna do that but uh with vision yeah i mean the only reason people are saying that beyond the obvious like visual visual implication is that there's a deleted scene from endgame where she visits some morgue or something and steals vision's body like in an after credit scene or like looks at it or something and paul bettany and kevin feige both mentioned this scene so i'm like are they actually going to show that in the series like some people are saying that they wouldn't be surprised if there's a flashback episode to how she even did all of this and um if they include a scene like that in that episode it'll be like okay so they didn't show it at the end of endgame because obviously they wanted that movie to feel like a complete kind of product but I kind of have a like hunch that the scene all the way back from the trailer where she's like wearing plain clothes while the world around her turns black and white and then vision materializes into it is going to be either the scene of her creating the reality for the first time, like coming into it, or it's get it slowly getting destroyed and she's trying to fix it. But I do think there will be some sort of flashback episode explaining everything kind of like how this one did from swords point of view 
I really hope there's a flashback because I think it would be really interesting to see the creation of the world. But at the same time, maybe, I mean, not even maybe, she's definitely headed toward some kind of breakdown vision, even though he's dead, reanimated, whatever he is, he's noticing things that that are strange. And Wanda's clearly trying to hide that from him. And she's having panic attacks. She freaking threw Monica very, very harshly out of the world. We kind of saw Scarlet Witch as like a villain in that way, which was kind of crazy because she used to be so afraid of what she could do. And now she is fully going for it. She's not really thinking of the repercussions of her actions. She's just wants to be in her little world and enjoy it. I actually really enjoy that in terms of like a character perspective, because Marvel's strength isn't necessarily telling the most like compelling stories. It's more so about the characters, which is what people go to see. Um, Anthony Mackie put it pretty bluntly. He's like, people don't go to see Anthony Mackie anymore. They go to see the Falcon. Like people want to see the heroes. Um, and that was something that really surprised me because, you know, obviously she can be manipulated and everything, but this is what, what she wants. This is what the character wants. So I, I would, I mean, I, I'm not going to be surprised if, you know, like Mephisto shows up because obviously we've been discussing that a lot and that's like the big bad of the season. But I, I would honestly not mind if they make the whole story revolve around Wanda being some sort of, you know, bad person all of a sudden and uh they resolve it in doctor strange 2 somehow since she's supposed to be in that i think that'd be much more interesting and now that i think about it that seems to be the way they can do these series have characters that are not as you know popular done justice like hawkeye falcon and winter soldier that does feel like a good thing to do similar to how star wars is now doing you know book of boba fett um and things like that because previously all this you know, character progression was implied through all the other movies, and now we're getting to see it all as is. So, a uh, quick question, and then I have a follow-up question. Is Mephisto, like, confirmed for this series, or is it still just speculation? It's it's still speculation. That That seemed to be kind of the main idea people had for who the villain could be from the beginning, um, and, and it ties into Doctor Strange. It could be completely different, and, you know, someone else... And then obviously people mentioned the Grim Reaper and stuff, but yeah, it's none of this is confirmed at all. They've kept it pretty under wraps. Um, I read an article yesterday where Catherine Hahn said that a lot of this series is very twisty, even going from this episode to the next few. So um, we'll have to wait and see, but she said people won't be expecting some of this stuff and I wouldn't put it past them to change things around because they know what we're thinking. They show it in this episode. They have all the meta stuff where it's like, ah, we know what you guys, you know, you, you're, you've all been studying each episode. Well, now here's, you know, in character, like in reality, meta commentary on exactly that. So we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, no, Mephisto isn't confirmed. There's no confirmed antagonist just yet. Cool. And I forgot my second question. So... That's all good. Hopefully that answer answered whatever your second question was. But yeah, Mephisto is like super known for making deals with people and projecting illusions and manipulating memories. So it just seems like it is very much him. And I'm looking forward to figuring out if we're right. But they're giving us hexagons and 
hexagons have six sides and you can put that together with the devil and it just if it's not mephisto they're teasing us they really are i wouldn't be surprised if it was almost more of like a, a gene gray situation or something where uh just like her powers are just like overwhelming her and kind of making her crazy plus her whole you know psyche i guess being i don't know you know she's lost everything and all that so maybe she just kind of did lose it and she's just making this reality to cope with losing vision in the world and losing against thanos and all that stuff so i wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't a main villain kind of pulling the strings that's the word i can remember and if it was just like a I don't know, like a battle against the self instead of a battle against someone else. Kind of like what Endgame should have been. But then they ham-fisted Thanos into the end. Yeah, see, I actually, I agree with that. Um, I like I like it more when, when the situations arise because of characters. And, you know, obviously with superhero media, there always has to be the big bad to fight. In this case, it doesn't feel like there needs to be. Um, it, it's more of like an internal battle that's, manifesting in a way because she has powers although i mean there could be you know some things going on i like what you said about gene gray because i feel the same way even though this is based somewhat on a comic book series that has very similar undertones to dark phoenix where uh you know wanda goes crazy and she says no more mutants um and it has to do with some potentially spoilery stuff that i won't mention for this series but that does Mind me a lot of the Dark Phoenix storyline, especially, um, you know, the scene where she's like going full crazy. I feel like we're going to get something similar in this series with Scarlet Witch. She's going to lose her mind and do something. Definitely. I see that because it, it's tough. Like, does Wanda wanting, wanting what she wants make her a villain? Because we saw that. I don't want to call it evil look in her eyes, but it was it, it felt very defensive, like new mama bear protecting what she has and that shouldn't be a bad thing but you're right like she's been through so much and she just wants to be happy and is wanting to be happy bad but it traditionally it's probably bad if you're controlling the minds and souls of an entire town of people this is true and traditionally heroes are supposed to be very selfless like look at captain america like literally sacrificing yourself and being frozen for 70 years or whatever but yeah. So yeah, the music in this episode was different than the last few. Um, something that I really enjoyed was that all the music, the laugh tracks, everything that was non-diegetic to us is now technically diegetic through the characters in the show because they're watching Wanda's like reality projected as an actual sitcom, which was kind of the point after we saw that little tease at the end of the first episode now we're seeing it it's like okay so all the stuff that we as an audience have been seeing is what the actual people sword are seeing as well which i thought was very kind of meta crazy so with that being said um i'm surprised with the kind of variety of music um christoph beck is doing a bunch of interesting stuff the Music in this episode felt more akin to his stuff in Ant-Man because it's, you know, based in reality. So a lot of it is very orchestral with some digital stuff, which he's only really kind of done whenever Ant-Man goes into the quantum realm. So there's a lot of synth um, undertones. But then every time they cut back to the series, it's very, you know, appropriate music of the times, like the 70s episode and stuff like that. So 
so that was pretty cool um i'm excited to see where it goes because wanda's theme does appear at the end of this episode whenever she's getting angry uh played in by strings so i don't know there, there's just obviously going to be more going on i just thought it was a cool change of pace it's like now we're getting into this the reality music is more cinematic obviously which is probably going to get more bombastic the further we go Something I th- thought I kind of noticed was that uh, the episodes that the the sword agents are watching aren't exactly the same as the episodes that we, the audience, watched. They feel kind of like abridged, and I was like, I was kind of confused by that. I'm like, are we seeing? Are we supposed to be seeing the same things as them, or the is Disney giving us a little bit more? Or I was just kind of confused by that, you know. Yeah, was it Darcy asking or saying that somebody is censoring the broadcast? I mean, we got to see a little bit more in terms of that, especially when those aspect ratios started to change. I think we're seeing that original or sorry, Sword is seeing that like original aspect ratio, whatever we have seen. I only can assume that they have seen that too. But when that aspect ratio goes to a more modern ratio, that is the censored thing that they have not seen if that makes sense yeah oh no i i figured that but like uh i feel like at the end of that of the episode that they're watching it like has that jarring cut again where it like cuts back again and she has a little conversation with vision and then it ends the credits but then in the the episode that the sword agents were watching it went like talking with what's her name rambo to like straight to the end credits. It was like there was less in the episode that they were watching than what we had watched. Like even outside of the the aspect ratio changes where it zooms out into the normal world. Yeah, that's true. I guess Vision did kind of start to get a little suspicious of what was going on and Wanda changed it. So that's why I don't really know if she's in control of that broadcast. That is my whole train of thought. I don't know. Yeah, that raises a question. I see what you're asking. Is this like real time? Like, is that? Yeah, that that was interesting. Honestly, I think it's probably just an oversight by the filmmakers. That's what I'm guessing. I'm probably guessing there's not like more to it. But um, yeah, it could be. Um, There's just because there's also stuff that we haven't seen that they see, like the scene where Agnes and uh, Wanda are talking in front of Monica Rambo and they're like, oh, look, it's Monica Rambo. There was none of that in the actual episode so i guess it's implied that they've been watching more than we as an audience have so who knows because they they talk about it like oh this is so entertaining it could also be an over easily be an oversight because um whenever jimmy was trying to contact wanda it's implied that he's getting in there real time it could be slightly delayed though which would explain how they're able to cut you know certain things in real time, whoever is doing that censor certain scenes, because if there was no time manipulation going on, that wouldn't really make any sense because they would be jumping around from place to place, which after watching this episode, we see isn't the case because Wanda knocks Monica out. And then in the broadcast, they just immediately cut to them on the TV looking happy, although Vision is clearly questioning what's going on. So the only way that would have happened without any sort of like lag, I guess, is if they just teleported into place. So yeah, some, something's up there. They're either behind or 
whatever. And I mean, it is a television broadcast, so you can use any sort of writing excuse to get that. Yeah, I think it's just, I don't know, it confused me because it's like, is everything that we're seeing in episodes one through three exactly the same thing that's being broadcast? Or are we seeing extra stuff that is not being broadcast to the sword agents? Like, I don't know, like in the first episode with the weird close-ups of, I, I call him Cy Abelman, the, the old guy who's uh, Vision's boss. Yeah. There's like weird close-ups of him and his wife and they're start like acting like loony. Like, did they, is that something that only we saw or is that something that was broadcast also? That sounds like something we saw. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, because um, it seems like every weird instance of, you know, the reality kind of cracking seems to be, you know, like you said, it's it's abridged. What what they're showing, obviously, because for time, they don't want to have the characters literally watch the entire episodes. But I do think that what they're seeing is not necessarily one to one with what we've seen. Yeah, that makes sense. I just find that kind of annoying because it's weird that they would present it to us like that. But then it makes it they make it seem like it's it's the same, but then it's not. And that just kind of annoyed me, I guess. But whatever. Something I also thought was really interesting is that they are seeing the same commercials that we have seen. And we know that those commercials are some deep part of Wanda's memory, that those characters might be her parents, that the toasters, the bomb and all all this stuff. But are the sword agents putting that together or do they think that these are just random commercials? I think that as of now, since it wasn't mentioned in the episode, they're they don't think it's anything or else they would have mentioned it. It's probably going to be something they figure out down the line to explain it to the audience. But right now they want to keep you kind of in the dark about it because I don't know, maybe I wasn't paying attention. I didn't see the two commercial characters on the board of missing persons. I don't know if I'm wrong or not, but I didn't see those guys. I don't think I saw them either. So I didn't even think about that. That's kind of interesting. I, I really like the commercials. Because uh, I was talking about the idea of like subtlety. I feel like the commercials are very subtle. It's like, oh, it makes sense in terms of the the broadcast. And you can tell that there's something like up with it, but it's not like hitting you over the head with it. I appreciate that about them. Definitely. And I think with Marvel fans or just nerds in general, we love to speculate about a ton of different things. So Marvel's just handing us this content, like speculate on this. So I think that's pretty Nothing cool. on this. Like Tobey Maguire. <laughs> Yeah, I hope we get a little bit of clarity on that as the next episodes start to air. But speaking of oversight, what happened to that agent slash beekeeper after Wanda altered the timeline? He was crawling through the space. He morphed into that time. Is he gone? What do you guys think? I think, I don't know, if I had to guess, I wouldn't be surprised if Wanda just like erased him from existence or something. Yeah, she just goes like, no, and it cuts away. And it's like, oh, well, I guess he's gone. Yeah, she's definitely powerful enough, I think, just to get rid of somebody. But then that raises the question, why didn't she just do that with Monica then? Lots of very crazy questions. Yes. Which will probably be getting answered very soon. But yeah, um, I don't know. This is a interesting time because... I don't even know what to speculate about for the future of this series anymore, because now that we're getting it explained, it's like, oh, uh, I mean, there are some things that people have noticed in the featurettes that I don't want to talk about because I'd rather be surprised by them. But yeah, there's there's a lot of things they can do. Um, Obviously, 
like I said, Monica has to get her power somehow. That may be explained because she was kind of the central focus of the the first half of this episode. And then obviously the reality is going to crack at some point, probably near the end. And then Doctor Strange has to show up either in an end credit scene or right at the end. Like basically all I'm saying is the only thing that for me personally that I can speculate about is the actual end game stuff. Like the stuff that ends the entire series, but I don't know about all the in-betweens. Like a lot of people are speculating that we're going to see Quicksilver and they talked about Evan Peters last week. Um, I would like to see Aaron Taylor Johnson as well, just so that they can wrap that up. Um, and I just found out recently that the story about that is that they directly got this job working on Godzilla, which was kind of, I mean, that makes sense because Godzilla released a year before Age of Ultron. I just find it funny that they saw those two and went, oh, you're playing husband and wife, play brother and sister. You're Luke and Leia. <laughs> That's funny. Hollywood likes to do that. Yeah, I know. That's uh, hmm. Actually, do you know anything about the Ultimate Universe? Probably not really. <laughs> just so in the, Marvel, in the Marvel Ultimate Universe, uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are actually Wolverine's children. And they're also, I'm pretty sure they have an ancestral relationship. It's uh, very disgusting. Uh, ew. Yeah. Weird. Marvel likes, it's it's really weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's we're not really going to make that canon weird. in the universe, the cinematic universe. Gross. But I, I feel like from our conversation, we've basically concluded that we're one step ahead in terms of knowing what's going to happen. But then again, we're also three steps behind because we don't know how everything is going to happen. Yeah, exactly. That seems to be the kind of the idea. It's like, ooh, we can have all these thoughts, but how we get there is... Because this episode surprised me, actually. Um, a lot of people were speculating that, oh, we're going to be in the 80s. and But then they kept teasing online and they're like, no, 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 this is different. It's like, oh, we're going to get it from sword's perspective but a lot happens from this perspective that we didn't expect like no one expected them to show the blip at all like i didn't think that was going to be in this series and then zombie vision like even if it is ptsd i didn't expect that at all and stuff like that so i have to wait and see because people legitimately thought that evan peters was going to show up in today's episode um and he, obviously he didn't which i think is for the better because the stuff that happens is more kind of wacky <laughs> that's not really the right word but yeah you think if he shows up they'll do like a whole slow motion quicksilver scene where everything is like basically time stopped and he's just running around screwing with stuff god i hope so <laughs> i mean they Me have too. access to fox's stuff now and that's like like if you compare the two you know days of future past and apocalypse you know quicksilver scenes to the few Quicksilver scenes in Age of Ultron, there's like no comparison. They're just way better. So I'm like, if you do that, please. Like, that's the best representation of speed we've ever seen on film in terms of like a character doing it. Cause I don't think the Flash has ever been portrayed that way, even in his own series, because that's obviously lower budget. So yeah, ple please. Marvel, yeah, that'd be pretty amazing. Marvel, we're begging, please. All right, so final thoughts about the episode before we wrap up. For me personally, I think that this episode, just in my opinion, was kind of eh. We're getting somewhere. But it kind of fell flat for me in terms of the pacing of the episode, the really random scenes. It was slow and then fast. And I, I really like the sitcom thing. So this was a really weird transition for me. I'm in the same boat. Um, I, I Obviously, you want explanation. I just feel like the way it was done was very kind of hasty a little bit clunky i mean and there are a few scenes where i was cringing at the dialogue 
um, mainly because of the performances, but I mean, the actual written dialogue doesn't really help either. Um, luckily, a lot of those were kind of contained the expo dumps, but yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I, I liked the sitcom stuff because it was, it was kind of wacky, and now we're getting to like, okay, here's the serious stuff, but written like as if it was for five-year-olds. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I thought I this is maybe one of my more liked episodes so far. I didn't like, yeah, like Giovanni said, the writing is kind of funky and the pacing was really bad, but I don't know, is it just felt a little bit more straightforward. Maybe not necessarily subtle, but like uh, they weren't like trying to, to like come around you and be like, oh, what's this thing over here? It's just a little bit more straightforward. So I like that about it. And it'll be interesting. I feel like you can't do the same kind of sitcom stuff the same as the f- first three episodes after this now. Because we, you know, they did the the dolly back. We see what's going on outside of it. So now we know that it's all in like a weird situation. So they're going to have to change up how they approach the sitcom stuff from now. So that'll be interesting. I actually think now that we have this episode out of the way, uh, hopefully... That means these next two will be some of the best ones. Um, Cause I, I do agree with you. Um, I could see how people would really like this episode. Like, like you said, it really does have a lot of stuff happening and explanations and it's going more racing to the future um, of the series. So I think now that this is out of the way, they can get back to like mixing the two, the sword perspective and the wonder perspective. So uh, I think it'll get much better from here on out. I, I didn't even think about that. You think that they will, for like the next episode, they're just going to stick to straight sitcom? Or do you think they'll do sitcom for the first 25 minutes, then a little bit of sword stuff at the end? Or do you think they'll just start to cut back and forth pretty regularly from now on? That's a really good question. I think as we move into the 80s, we're getting into more modern television. So I think they'll be able to blend that sitcom style slash modern Marvel style. I think we will not go back to the full sitcom that we had at the beginning of the series. And I think that's a natural evolution. And I think that's okay. Will I miss it? Yes. I loved those theme songs, but I am looking forward to the 80s theme song and the 90s theme song too. I hope they get to like the 2000 teens and we get a whole episode that's just like ripping off a This Is Us's style. And it's like super handheld, all the close-ups, super like blown out, colorful cinematography. And people are just crying like every five minutes. I really hope we get to that point. Or maybe, I guess, maybe if it's like in the 2000s, it'll be like a ripoff of The Office. How great would that be? That would be really funny. They know The Office is popular, so something tells me they're going to do it. There's something I want to mention after the podcast because it's spoiler-esque about the future of this series. It's small detail. I would love to see Vision kind of look at the camera like Jim Halpert does in The Office. I feel like that would be some quality content. Thanks for listening to this episode of Boardwalk Times Multiverse of Marvel. Thank you, Giovanni and Troy, for being on this week. Tune in next week where our hosts Muska, Julia, and Iris will continue our wonderful world of WandaVision coverage with episode five. We're also on Apple Podcasts, so subscribe and leave us a five-star review. For more Marvel content, head over to BoardwalkTimes.net and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at BoardwalkTimes.